We will now have our final message today by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled Power from On High. Good afternoon, everyone. Last time I was here, there was a bunch of hippie chairs. That was about three weeks ago. It's good to see you all. Hope it's good to see me, too, you know, still around, still kicking. As we near the day of Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks, the uh, blessings of the Holy Spirit comes to mind. How it's a part of our life, and what it does for us, and where it's leading us. In John 16, 13... Jesus said to his disciples, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, to all the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the Holy Spirit, as a part of our life, gives us things that are ahead, gives us things that are past, and gives us things about the present. Now, some believe that the Holy Spirit is a he. I don't know if there's anyone who thinks it's a she, but some believe it is a person. They think this spirit of truth that has no name is the third person of the Trinity, with God the Father and God the Son. Now, in one Bible translation, commenting on uh, chapter 16, 13 of John, it's noted that because he is God, this is what the writer said, because he is God, the Holy Spirit is worthy of receiving believers' adoration. Also, love and worship. Also, the Christian can engage in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So what is this spirit of truth about? What does it mean? For us. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus spoke to his disciples, saying these words about the coming of the power from on high. You remember the disciples, they had gathered together in a room, the doors were shut, and that's when uh, Christ came and stood in their midst. They were there for the fear of the Jews. And they thought when they saw him that he was a ghost. But he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And he asked them if they had any food. And they brought him a fish, and he ate the fish. And that was to show to them that he was real, a real person that was standing there. So he said unto them, in verse 44, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, which were written in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus showed them from these three parts, the prophets, the Psalms, and uh, the law of Moses, these three parts of the Old Testament scriptures that he is the Messiah which they were writing about and which uh, was to come. So 
Jesus did this, he told them, and he said in verse 49, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with the power from on high. So here we, so here we know that the Holy Spirit and other, other scripture says that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ephesians 4 uh, verse 30. And that the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of wisdom. Understanding of counsel and might of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We also read that it is not the spirit of fear. It's not the spirit of fright or weakness. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. According to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 7. So it's not a person. It's a gift from God. It's God's spirit. The mind of Christ. The spirit of truth. A guiding spirit or conscience so to speak. A conscience that leads and guides in the right way. Romans 8.16 says that the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. As a, a spirit that will lead and guide. It doesn't force or push you into doing something that we don't consent to. We still have that freedom of choice. So as a guide, it, it's, it's something that escorts us into the truth. Now, when it bears witness with our spirit, it says that, you know, we all have a spirit. We all have a personality. We all have a certain manner about us that the spirit can work with to lead and guide in the right way. So we all have this, this spirit and the spirit of God seeks to lead and guide us in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that came at that time on the day of Pentecost was about a message of repentance, about the Holy Spirit, what it can do in life and what it meant to them. But you know the most intriguing thing that happened on the day of Pentecost is the speaking in tongues. On that day it says in Acts chapter 2. That there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. And they were all amazed. And they marveled saying to one another behold are not all these who speak which speak Galileans. So the miracle we see was in the hearing more than in the speaking. Verse 8 they said how hear we Every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. You know, it gives a list of all those uh, peoples, those uh, countries, those uh, groups that they came from. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Cretes, Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and 
some were in doubt saying to one another well what does this all mean and so we see that the gifts of the are the essence of this uh, the message that was given on that day can be found in the words of Peter when he lifted up his voice when he said in Acts chapter 2 verse 36 therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles well men and brethren what shall we do so Peter said unto them repent and be baptized change your life change the way you're going change your direction and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ that is for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit verse 39 for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God has called so from the time of that Pentecost day when 3,000 were added to where we can count today the many 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 thousands and millions of people who have heard that message and have repented and have been baptized so the promise is unto you and to your children you don't have any children right now when you do have children that promise will extend also to them even all that are far off in other lands and other countries among other peoples even as many as the Lord our God shall call so that day of Pentecost meant something it meant a message was going to be uh, spread to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem so in verse 40 and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation this untoward generation says a lot about our surroundings about our environment and about all the things that we have to deal with at this time it's an untoward generation the corrupt generation verse 41 then they gladly received his word that gladly received his word they were baptized the same day and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles so this power from on high led 3,000 souls to repent and to be and to uh, to baptism as I uh, mentioned earlier about speaking in tongues today there are churches that encourage speaking in tongues one preacher in an article he he stated that if you want to bear fruit in this life receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost learn how to pray in the spirit Jesus wants people in uh, to speak in other tongues and continuing he says unless we allow him to baptize us in the Holy Ghost 
to speak in tongues, we will never receive power to believe the Bible. So right away, we know that there's a few things that are wrong with that. But even before the minister was able to do even that, he said he had to, he had to practice it. It took him over a year to speak in tongues. But he had that desire, that burning desire to be baptized by that spirit from above. So he said, I tried to speak some little sounds, not words, but that was enough for me, repeating over and over and over, saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for baptizing me in the Holy Ghost. Then one night, he wrote, he said it happened. He just opened his mouth, turned his tongue loose, and began speaking in tongues. But it's a form of worship in many churches. And if it is not of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's really best to let it alone. That's the way they worship. That's the way they believe. And we would be careful, you know, to not criticize uh, what that practice. But we know that there is a misunderstanding that some have as to what that speaking of tongues was about. It was not gibberish. The language our tongues heard and spoken uh, that, that day, they were intelligible. They were earthly languages. It didn't have to be worked up with, with uh, sounds or syllables said over and over. We see that the Holy Spirit came as a gift. It was given. You know, a gift is something that is given. It is not, you know, begged for, saying, you know, uh, gimme, gimme, I, I want that. But it's a gift that's given upon repentance. And the tongues spoken that day were known languages, not unknown tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto, unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. In most Bibles, this, this word unknown is italicized, which means it was added by translators. But any time you hear someone speaking in a language you don't understand, it is an unknown tongue. It's, it's something that you haven't heard, something that you don't understand. As it says in Acts uh, chapter 2, again, verse 6 through 11, you know, the miracle was in the hearing. Every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, Behold, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born? So sometimes when people think about Pentecost, they think uh, of, the, of the tongues that, that happened on that day. They think of, uh, uh, some have applied it to, you know, just, just letting words go, syllables go, sounds go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, concerning tongues, the Apostle Paul, he said, I would that you all spoke with tongues, but rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. You know, it's good to have another language. I come from a family that spoke the Muscogee uh, Indian language. 
which was which is called Creek, and um, my mother and father both spoke it, but they also were very good at English, and I learned a few words, a few phrases and sentences, but I, it never stuck with me. So I picked out a book at a bookstore, and I I know I've given this a sermon. You know, sometimes when you repeat yourself, you know you're getting older, but. I remember, I uh, think, familiar faces in here told me, I, I've, I've said this story before, but I'll tell it again. Just keep me on track. Uh, a book at a bookstore, and it said, learn Spanish in three months. That was about 20 years ago. Still on my bookshelf. I look at it sometimes. And I wanted to learn German. I have a book on German. I wanted to learn Greek. I have a book on Greek. And now I'm, I find myself running out of time. So I can barely speak English. But concerning the tongues, the Apostle Paul, it's good to have another language. But what good is it if listeners don't understand it? So verse 6, Paul said, Brethren, I, if I come to you speaking with tongues... What shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life-giving sound, whether pipe or heart, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or heart? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Yes, everything, every living thing, of course, has and makes sound. Where we live, you know, there's sheep back there in the pasture, and they make a sound, and some of them have different sounds that they make. And we have a couple of cats in our house that make different sounds, and you can tell when they're pleading to go out or pleading for food. And it's like you kind of understand their cat language, and, you know, you, you give them food or milk or whatever it is. But there is a language. And also, you know, when uh, the siren blows during the storm, you know what that message is sending. It's uh, different kinds of messages. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise, you accept, you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Verse 18, drop down to verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So Paul spoke in uh, different languages. He knew probably several. He knew Greek. He raised up churches in different uh, places among different people. Verse 19, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So by the end of this sermon I will have spoke so many words You'll probably add to a little bit of confusion. I hope not. But tongues 
verse 22, like that given on Pentecost, are for a sign. Not to them that believe, but it says to them that believe not. Verse 26 tells us, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, or a doctrine, or a tongue, or a revelation, or an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If it's not going to edify, you know, don't speak it. But if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two. Or at the most, by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, that is, you know, someone who's there who, who knows the language and what's being uh, said or spoken, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So the message on Pentecost that we see was about repentance. It was about baptism and the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.28, we have this promise that says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that you shall, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know the Holy Spirit was prophesied. Psalm 15, 1. It says, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Verse 2 tells us. He that walks uprightly. He that, wa uh, works, uh, uh, that works righteousness. And speaks the truth in his heart. Now in Matthew chapter 3. The Holy Spirit was prophesied to come as we see. And we see that John the Baptist was preaching and preparing the way. Verse 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's always the, the urgency of the message of, the, uh, of repentance. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you think about the kingdom of heaven that is at hand you think about judgment and you think about all the things that are going to transpire prior to the coming of the kingdom but it's about repentance repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it is nearing for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight I would suppose that each time we gather you know in assembly we hear the words of God spoken and we carry it with us and there will come a time in which we will have to witness perhaps as to what is going on what does God think what does the Bible say about this that and the other so we know that the kingdom of heaven is the aim and so is everlasting life. So we in, in a way we are preparing. Preparing the way of the Lord. Making his paths straight. So that not many will be taken by surprise. When he does return. So those living in the time of John the Baptist. They knew the scriptures. They were familiar with, the, with what the prophets had written. That a messenger would come. 
and prepare the way for the Messiah. And when they heard about John preaching in the wilderness, they had to go uh, check him out. They had to see what he was talking about. And he was there preparing the way, and that was uh, preaching for the, uh, for the remission of sins. Verse 4, And the same John had his raiment of camels hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. He came upon the scene in a, in a very humble way, whereas, you know, you had the temple priests, and they were all uh, dressed to the hilt. But many went to see him, and they saw him, saw that he had all these, uh, these humble clothing. So John was living off the land, and he did. He ate, he ate locusts and hu- wild honey. There used to be a store there in Muskogee where they stole packages of grasshoppers. You know, they, were, uh, they were, had seasoning on them. I started to buy some, but didn't. And they also had crickets. I could probably eat the honey. Or, or if they were sugar-coated, I might, you know, go for them. But he was living off the land. I guess, in a way, most of us live off Walmart. I do. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. And they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, in Jerusalem, uh, among the faithful there, there were baptisms. There were ceremonies of purification. And water was a cleansing agent for the priests and for the people, for other people. So, such things as clothing and, and utensils like pots and pans they, they, and furniture, they went through purification, through washing. And all were ceremonially, ceremonially cleansed by being immersed into water. So John was baptizing people. Verse 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Imagine the way the people, those, how they must have felt when they were referred to as vipers. And he said to them, Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, Well, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He told them the God that they worship was able to raise up stones in their place if need be. And he said to them, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which brings forth not, uh, not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire. Verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So being baptized, as many of us in here are, being baptized 
and immersed in water symbolized a cleansing. And the baptism, that baptism was unto repentance. I mean, back in those days, it was unto John's baptism. But baptism is a public confession of sin and the need for symbolic cleansing in the waters of baptism. But there was another baptism that John mentioned, one that is a spiritual immersion in the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus, then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And John forbade him. He said, I have, no, I have need to be baptized uh, of thee. And you come to me to be baptized? So why did Jesus need to be ba baptized? Did he need to repent? Did he need to confess sins? You know, Jesus knew no sin. He was the Lamb of God without blemish. So Jesus answered him, said unto John, Suffer it to be so now. You know, let it be for now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Now the purpose of his baptism by John was to fulfill righteousness. The scriptures that prophesied of Christ's mission. That he was uh, ready to uh, embark upon. Because you know he, uh, he went into the wilderness to be tempted to overcome the devil. So Jesus when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water. And lo. The heavens were open unto him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove. And lighting upon him. And lo a voice from heaven saying. This is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Let's go on to Mark chapter 1. We see where immediately the spirit. Drove him into the wilderness led him to the desert and he was there in the wilderness 40 days tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered unto him now after that John was put in prison Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the gospel so Mark like all the apostles in Christ they had the same message a message of repentance and belief in the good news about the coming kingdom of God as we read over in the book of John 6, uh, 16 13 earlier the disciples were told by Jesus that when the spirit of truth is come he or it shall guide you into all truth the Spirit will guide you, will usher you, it will escort you toward the truth in Christ Jesus. But it will not drive you without, you know, our consent, taking away our freedom to choose. So it's like a compass. It will point in the right direction. Where does it lead? To the word of God, the truth, to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that is to come. We see that like a compass, thy word is truth. You know, compasses usually point in the right direction. It says in Psalm 119 that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he said, I have sworn and I will perform it and I will keep thy righteous judgment. So 
To walk uprightly means to follow the words of Christ. Romans 8.14, just a, I added this a little later as I was reading. It says in verse 14, for as many as are led, this is Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, in, in, in the way that's, that is said, you know, it's like he is our daddy, like any father who cares for uh, a lot for their, their children. And the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So there are things in store as a result of being adopted and following the spirit, spirit of God. One day, many years ago, getting foggy, but this memory is, it's during football practice, one hot afternoon after school, and uh, the coach asked us, we were there, uh, he said, as a question to all of us, he said, what is the shortest distance between two points? And so for a few seconds, you know, no one spoke up, and finally one of my teammates, he quickly answered, a straight line. I've never forgotten that, as you can tell, many years have passed. But it was the answer the coach was looking for. Yet to my way of thinking, uh, as a sophomore, there were big seniors on the line. They were big senior backs. I'm not very tall, you know, but these guys were big. And it didn't make sense to me to go in a straight line toward them. I would prefer to go low or step aside or stick out my leg and trip them. But a straight line just didn't make sense to me. And in a way, I saw it better to go around. That, that would have been my answer. Well, you got to go around these big, these big guys. you got to get out of their way, too, and, and then go and try to get to that point. We know that there is worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. Uh, of truth and light but in life our compass is the word of Jesus as our wisdom and our guide it's that arrow that points in a straight line we point it toward an object in the distance and we keep our eyes on that thing in the distance and if we have to walk to, uh, off some, uh, some way maybe uh, off to the side of where we're going off the beaten off the track that is uh, as long as we have that Aim. We put our compass toward it. And that's the way we go. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12.13. To make straight paths. For your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. So we, you know there are obstacles always in the way. And. Uh, if we 
to avoid those obstacles is, you know, to avoid getting tripped up by something. For most of us, the truth didn't come all at once. Even today, uh, some wonder, well, is there any new truth? We read in Luke 24, verse 44, we see where the disciples, they didn't understand everything. Even now, we do not know everything there is to know. In Luke 24, 44, uh, went over this earlier. Jesus said unto them, these are the words that I spoke unto you while I was yet with you that were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. And verse 45, he opened, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So the Holy Spirit is what he would send on the day of Pentecost as he was telling them. And he led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands, and, and he blessed them. So we see that there is a message of salvation that Pentecost reveals to, the, to, to those that, that heard. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, the truth concerning salvation was spoken in many different languages. And it was a message that was to spread out from Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2 verse 17. It says it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it was asked of the disciples men and brethren what shall we do? And he replied Peter, Peter said Acts 2.38 repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift. Of the Holy Spirit. This promise. Is unto you. To your, and to your children. And to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so with many other words. Did he testify. And exhort saying. Save yourselves. From this untoward generation. There are a lot of. Quotations, people, you know, that we know about uh, truth. Some of the things uh, that says things about the truth. Like, for example, the truth shall set you free. So knowing the truth will help us avoid the consequences of going the wrong way. It will, the truth, knowing the truth will guide us, keep our paths straight. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says that we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God so that spirit that is dwelling in you that leads you to read your Bible that leads you to pray that leads you to have fellowship that leads you to trust in the Lord it's not the spirit of the world it is the spirit of the Lord working in you this promise of salvation is made to all 
who call upon the name of Jesus Christ because in him we have forgiveness and redemption. What are the consequences though should we not obey the spirit of truth? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived neither fornicators, uh, adulterers, adulterers, effeminate, users of themselves, of mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, such were some of us, but you are washed, and you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. So we belong to to God through Jesus Christ. He is our Abba. He is our Father. We are washed, sanctified, justified by the sacrifice uh, of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, and which you have of God, and you are not your own. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit. Which are, which are God's. The Proverbs tell us. That there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. So there are hundreds of quotations. About truth that you know that you can. That you can google up. Truth is important. To a Christian. Abraham Lincoln. For example said. I am a firm believer. In the people. If given the truth they can be depended upon. To meet any national crisis. The great point is. To bring them real facts. So people are safer. When they know the truth and follow it. Matthew 15. 14. Howard. Warns us that if the blind. Lead the blind. Both shall fall into the ditch. So truth matters. Because it is one of the commandments that says. Thou shall not bear false witness. John 16 again. Verse 13. When he the spirit of truth. Is come he will guide. You into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak. And he will show you things. To come. The effects of truth, he said in John 8, verse 31, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, we have to live in the light of truth, and we have to be careful how we handle the truth. Hebrews 4.12 says that the uh, word of God is quick, Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't quench the spirit is one of those things that we hear quite uh, a bit about. Romans eleven twenty nine it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. It's irrevocable. It you know, can't won't be withdrawn. 
or taken back what he uh, he doesn't won't take back what he has given. So we are we were once disobedient, but now we have obtained mercy and forgiveness. And so we have to stir up the spirit. Don't let you know trials get you down. We have the spirit from on high and the spirit of truth. And so we need to exercise those gifts that we have given. Uh, conclude with one more passage. In Galatians 5.5, 5, you know, it says that we have to walk in the spirit. And it gives us a list of all those uh, uh, things in the spirit. But in James chapter 1, uh, 23, in closing. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face uh, in the glass. So, we have the spirit of power. And as we look forward to the uh, day of Pentecost, hopefully this will give you a little bit of a head start on what is to come.